Last week we talked about Hebrews 12, where if you're visiting here, we go, uh, we have been going through Hebrews a chapter at a time, but we split chapter 12 and chapter 13, the second half of chapter 12. First half of chapter 12 was saying things get rocky, things get difficult, and uh, Tony Simmons in his prayer echoed that about deserts and times of, of sun and pain. We get that. It's firmly in our minds. We understand that it can be rough and that the, the Christian life is not just one big pile of uh, joy and unicorns and rainbows. Sometimes there's a lot of pain there. Understanding that, Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, this is important. If we want this to continue, this joy that we see, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Well, in chapter 13, we'll get a series of admonitions but we get a few here as we start to peek behind a curtain of our reality. It always amazes me when someone stands up and says, I don't believe there is a God, as if we know what's there anyway. If you're not aware, scientists believe that black energy, uh, dark energy and dark matter make up at least 95% of the universe up to 99% of the universe. Black, uh, again, dark matter, dark energy, and we've never found them. Now, before you go, well, that's silly. Well, what we see are the effects of things and forces that we have not found, and therefore we give them names. This is not unusual. You have never seen an insight, but people have them, and then they materialize them, and we're aware somebody thought of that. Somebody came up with that. That was the first thing that the first person ever thought of this. And they, they brought it in, an idea. It's rather if we want to get ex exceptionally basic, like the wind. We don't see the wind. We see the effect of wind. We feel the effect of wind. There are many things out there which we will not see. But we understand they are there because of their effects on the things we do see. And so the very reason I believe in dark matter and dark energy. It's the same reason I believe in God, wind, ideas, and insight. I see the effect. I see what happens when he moves. Paul phrases this first one. I want to do this first. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. When somebody comes to me, as they do sometimes, and I'm, I'm, I've even been told people are afraid to go, come to you because you, you'll be straight with them. Okay, yeah, that's going to happen. You know, um, I'm not going to be mean, but when I've had people sit down with me and say, I've tried everything to get along with so-and-so, ask them what they've tried, and I'm going, hmm, there are some other things you could do. And they'll say, well, I'm just getting tired of it. And I'm saying, make every effort. There's not a stopping point here. God doesn't say, try five, six times. Then you're done. In fact, if you remember, he told his apostles, if somebody upsets you or sins against you seven times, no, seven times 70 in a day, people 
that would be hard to do. To offend somebody seven times 70 in one day, that'd have to be a full-time job with a talented individual. And God says, forgive them. Forgive them. Make every effort. Now, Paul phrases it this way in Romans 12 and verse 18, and I love it. If it is possible, now I want you to notice the condition. If it is possible, we got another one, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, that's, that's important because there's not one level of peaceful interaction that works for all people in all times and all situations. People differ. I've had... Um, I've had people come, come to me and say, you know, I just can't stand it when people chew loud. I'm going, you know, that's so low on my aggravation list. I, I, I don't even notice. I have a son, and I love my son. He's brilliant in every way. He, if he touches velvet, goes, huh. And I'm going, really? That's your kryptonite? You, you survived Marine Corps, and you can't touch velvet. It's a shame the jihadis hadn't learned that one. <laughs> it's, again, we all have tripwires. I agree. I do. I will confess, I have been in bookstores before and decided I'm leaving because they were playing soft jazz. And, and to me, jazz sounds like five guys with instruments falling downstairs. So I, I just... I know that makes me musically ignorant. I am very aware it is exceptionally difficult to play jazz, and there's a myth that there's something, a rhythm or melody. But my point is, we all have those, don't we? That little, you can call them pet peeves. Some people have whole kennels full of pet peeves. So I'm not going to demand that you act like me in this situation, and don't demand that I act like you in that situation. We're different. But if it's possible, and as much as it lies with you, live in peace with everyone. And then there's that admonition back in Hebrews to be holy. Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? But I want to explain it. it. The word here doesn't insist that we are all the time righteous. It means be available to God. Be separate and available to God. When he calls on you, don't be too busy to hear what God wants you to do. Once again, movement. Those are the kind of people God's going to welcome into heaven. Matthew 25, the whole last half of the chapter. Those who heard Jesus and followed. Doing what? Feeding, clothing, uh, giving water to the thirsty, visiting those in prison, taking care of those who are sick. In other words, love one another, which is what we do here at Fourth Avenue because that's what Jesus does, and we want to be on Team Jesus. So we love one another. Watch the roots of bitterness. The, uh, Hebrews warns about the root to bitterness. Uh, root is not a weed. Weeds just grow. We haven't had much rain here recently. So uh, a couple days ago, I went out and mowed my weeds. They grow. They, they grow fine in this weather. Grass, not so much. And I, I, I'd rather not even mow the weeds, but they become very obvious after a while. Roots, however, only grow if you water them. Somebody hurts you, I'm not going to tell you that it didn't hurt. I'm not going to tell you, oh, it doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to tell you, oh, get over it. Hurt is hurt. Scars are scars. Pain is pain. Yes, I get it. But remember, if you go home and you feed that root, it's going to grow. And the only one that's going to get hurt is you. 
And so look in the mirror and see your scars. Scars, you know what they are? They, they're proof that something in the universe tried to kill you and failed. That's pretty cool. When our grandson got a scar, had to go and get some stitches. He came in looking at his beautiful face. I think he was only about six at the time. And there were stitches there. And Josh and I both looked at him and said, uh, dude, girls like scars. <laughs> now at six, he was, that wasn't really a, a selling point. I think it's becoming one at 10. Uh, but, but, but our point was this. Why? Why? Because it's tough. Something tried to kill you, didn't kill you. This is a guy I can rely on. Scars are tattoos with better stories because you earn your scars. There's a little hint of leave no one behind here when it says don't let anybody fall short. We we all need to carry each other. I said this just a couple of weeks ago, but we've got to say it again. I may be carrying you this week, but one of the reasons I'm doing it is very selfish because I am going to need carried. We all will. So let's always just be with each other and be there for each other. And here's the cool thing. We won't all need to be carried at the same time. So we carry each other. And the passage about Esau may sound strange at first, but here's, and here's what it means. He even ties it into sexual immorality. As far as we know, Esau wasn't into that. But it's all about this. The world switches the price tags. Instead of looking for love, we look for sex. Instead of looking for fun, we, we, we cheat ourselves. And we go the short and easy route. And when you do that, you always end up in pain. He's saying, Esau got hungry. And he was so hungry, he sold what was far more valuable for a little bit of soup. Don't sell who you are for something that's just not worth it. Don't be short-sighted. Keep the long view. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And that's the big part now we need to hit in the last few minutes of the lesson. And it's, uh, don't get terribly excited, but we really do need the last five or seven minutes because you've already seen sermons, right? I want you to be focused on this next passage. Focus hard. Pay very, I know this, you don't want to go back to school, but you are. Look at the tenses of the words. They are very important. All right, are we ready? Hebrews 12, starting verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. Because when the Israelites first came to Sinai, that's what it looked like. It was terrifying. We have not come to a mountain like that. Or to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because he could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you have come, it's already happened, to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God 
the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You were already there. I don't listen to country music. I just don't listen to radio, quite frankly. Uh, I'm, I'm in my 60s. I found the six songs I like. I listen to those. <laughs> However, uh, I don't even know where I was once, but I, someone else was playing the music, and I heard, it was a big hit several years ago, I'm Already There, about a man who's on the road, but his heart is at home. Is that what they're talking about here? Kind of. Heaven is not a place we go to when we die. Heaven is a place we already are and we see when we die. We are already in heaven and we are already to act like citizens of heaven. We are already to act as pilgrims and strangers here who don't act like the other folk because we're not from here. Instead, we're from somewhere else and we're already there. Heaven rules in our hearts. Have, when I was a boy, we were made to be terrified of judgment day. Oh, will you be on the right side? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? Are you following him? Then you're already on the right side. All this is is confirmation of what we already are. For the Bible says in the book of Revelation, he has already put his seal on your forehead. He already knows whose are his. And if you're wondering, is it me? That's entirely up to you. Will you believe in Christ, repent of your sins, confess your faith, say it aloud that you believe Jesus is Christ? Will you go with him into baptism, raised out of the water, a Christian already in heaven, already the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit resident in you for life. They don't hop in and out as you've had a bad day any more than we do with our kids when they've had a bad day. You're my kid. Now you're not. Now you're my kid again. No, we don't do that. And God says he loves us more than we love our kids. We have come. We're home. The blood of Abel cried out from the ground. Do you remember that story? Blood of Abel cried out for justice and revenge. But we're told we have a better word. That last verse, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood, Jesus, that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel cried out justice, revenge. The blood of Christ cries out peace on earth goodwill toward all humankind. Wow. Mark, would you bring the rest of the team on up? Oop, don't want to take your stuff. Take mine. Jesus is reordering everything and we are a part of it. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will not shake just the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, 
since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen, church? Would you stand? We are there. You are home. You are chosen. You are on the holy mount of God. Live accordingly.